let's move on to June, a scene or a vignette. And that was a scene for Braith. So we'll still need a vignette from Braith, but we got the scene. What's a vignette? Vignette is just like, uh, would be with no dialogue or whatever. It's just like a picture or a moment, almost like a flash from a montage, you know? If I were to describe a vignette, just a random vignette, I will do one for our our coach. We can see uh, Divya is currently like going over uh, a training schedule. Like she's got a notebook that that she is writing in um, where we can see like she is scrolling. Scratching off like, okay, you know, this many push-ups, sit-ups, fly these these many drills or whatever. And we can see her like kind of tapping her, her pen and quill. And we can see her looking at, uh, this is a place inside the school itself where they kind of have the honors that the school won. And um, she's been like pacing up and down, setting this schedule. And there is a moment where on the wall, there is like a silver shield. We can see that the silver shield uh, is dated like the last day that she would have flown professionally as, as like a representative of the shield instead of a coach. And we can see her face kind of reflected in the shield and we can see that uh, the shield like has a tarnish. So you can see like kind of in a almost mirror polished section of the face, like uh, of the shield, like the uninjured part of her face. And then like this tarnish that falls over the like injured part and she'll look down. And I think she scratches out like one of the exercises that, that she was going to run the team through. Uh, to like reduce the overall workload on the team. Um, and I think like there's like maybe a frustrated sigh and she'll like close her book. So that's a vignette where it's just, there's no dialogue. It's just like a scene or a moment uh, for your characters. Uh, I guess I could do one where Braith is grooming Squall. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. What is grooming Squall like? Um, I think there is a lot of, there's a really soft brush that Braith uses to help dust off uh, Squall's feathers. It has something on it that helps remove dust and clean off the grime of the day that might have been collected while they were flying through the canyon. And uh, after brushing off the feathers, um, they kind of work together to go over Squall's wings, make sure that all the feathers are in the right place, gently grooming and rearranging and um, tucking feathers back where they need to be. I like this. Like there is this this whole check where, you know, Squall will need to like hold out a wing or whatever for, for Braith to do this brushing and whatnot. And I think there is a moment during this where – there's kind of like a physical gesture of affection that exists that that Braith and Squall do with each other. Um, what what is it? What's the special thing that like only you two do? Uh, 
I think they touch heads. I think Squall will like kind of lean in and head bump a little bit, kind of kind of like a an affectionate cat. Yeah, I feel like um, that's kind of Squall's reward for for like all of this, like gotta get brushed everywhere, gotta get groomed or whatnot. And it reaches a point where Squall will just like lean down so that its eye level is like on eye level with Braith and like just cocks its head a little bit. Like, let's do the thing. But Squall also really likes scritches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lots of head scritches and chest scritches. And that's that's the reward at the end of the grooming to like hang out and show affection. Yeah. Yeah. So there there is like this moment where Squall kind of like asks for head scritches, which is like this initial head bump. And it's not quite like Oliver, where Oliver will like dig his nose under your hand. Squall like gets as close as possible. Like, here's how you would do it. Anytime you can start and do this. We'll add that moment of affection as a fight for uh, Braith with Squall, which leaves us with our, our final scene in vignette uh, are here for June. Okay. So I think I want the vignette also to be with Augury or perhaps amongst the birds of the Burning Tales school. Like maybe there's a a, a vignette where June uh is is putting Augury in a stall for the night in the aviary of the school and she takes a moment as she like slides the the door shut and latches it she takes a moment to like look around at these facilities which are not at all like the facilities on the audrons or in thornvale there's something there's something more elegant about this not quite as purely utilitarian that there is something about the way the school sees beauty and things that june didn't think you could see beauty in uh, the design of the stalls, the way the aviary is shaped in sort of a round uh, uh, slope, um, the way the birds are cared for, the gardens here, everything, everything has a purpose. And and there's like a, like a quiet gratitude about basic things that here are not treated as though they're basic. They're treated as though they're beautiful and worth something. And she takes a moment in the aviary where she turns and looks into each of the stalls that she can see from this point. And the birds look back. Uh, Some of them are already facing her and some of them are facing away from her. And as she turns and looks past them, past the bars into their stall, they glance over. And there's no there's no ping of the of the golden spark in their eyes or in hers. They just look. And she looks back and she feels really grateful to be here, even though this has been really hard and it's not going well in some cases and it's not as easy as she was hoping it would be. But there's this moment where she just sort of looks and they see her and she sees them. And I would actually like to introduce a trouble here. Okay. And that is uh, for Wing Whisper. Uh, this would be your, your fly on trait, uh, because I, I think the, the, the good folks over at story brewers have wrote this as like, you know, 
a positive, happy horse girl trait mm-hmm. and sound that horse girl alarm. Uh, and we know that uh, there there is kind of that aspect, but it's not looked at favorably. It has a bad and dark reputation here. Um, and I just want to see like the edges of that. And one of the questions here uh, has like called out to me, and that is, what changes have you noticed in your bird as they've matured? Um, like, I think you described this great moment that has a little bit of gravity to it where all of the birds in the aviary kind of acknowledge you. And you notice, like, you said that there wasn't the glint between you, but you do have a glint with your bird. Um, and I just want to know, like, what is something that is, like, perhaps a little unsettling or unexpected that happens between you and Augury here? Yeah, I know what it is. So there's this moment where she she looks into each of the stalls in turn and the birds look back and it's very, it's kind of like peaceful, end of the day, kind of like grateful moment. And at the last second before June turns to walk away, there is an ear-splitting shriek and Augury slams against the bars of the stall, startling June and all of the other birds. And June, you know, whips her head around and Augury does have that spark of gold in deep in its eyes. And June immediately like reaches out and the the little spark of gold dances in her eyes as well. And she reaches out kind of with concern, but Augury like grabs onto the bars of the the stall uh, and rattles it. And June in her periphery sees the other birds like back away in horror and and like dis- disturbed the 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 atmosphere is completely disturbed there's no peace there's no um like meditative uh gratitude now it is just a tense wariness of this strange falcon and why why it disturbed that moment perfect perfect all right and a scene for june okay I think I want a scene. I'm not opposed to it being with all three of us in some way, but I think it definitely is between Braith and June, uh, for starters. Okay. Um, like I'm like I'm saying, I'm not opposed to Tori Koshi being a part of it or coming into it, but I think it's Braith and June to start with. Um, I don't know what we're doing, Mel. I'm I'm open to thoughts, but I think um, that there has to be some kind of scene between us. Braith and June have worked together on the Red Audrin, yes, but they've also like they've gone on side quest adventures before. This is not the first time they have had to team up in a situation, and. This is probably they... actually the lowest stakes team up they've ever had. <laughs> yes. There's no brain juice. There's no red feathers. There's no, you know, like this is like, which is why at the beginning June was like, yeah, we could do that. That sounds fine. Like I'll, I'm in like, so I think that at some point during this training, you know, exhausted as they are and sore and frustrated and whatever that June and Braith have a quiet moment to themselves. and. There has to be some kind of, I don't know, there has to be some kind of like exchange of that vulnerability. Like, hey, we've we've been in worse and like there's a lot going on. 
but like we can probably make it through this like we can probably do this we just have to get our head in the game you know um so i don't know mel what do you think where where are we um i think there's some kind of common room I'm sure that they're this being a, a training facility, there are dormitories, so I would assume that we're in whatever building or corner of the house is being used for dormitories, and there is a common room where we can like relax or grab some snacks or something. Okay. So I I want to say then that Braith is already in this common room. I, for this common room, I do want to uh, explore a little bit. Like I think most of this as a school is, you know, kind of kind of self-serious in the way that like any a serious school would present itself. And like we've seen like there are all these really cool facilities and whatnot set up all over this place. They've got their past awards there. There are like, you know, designs they've had for past uniforms and whatnot. I think unexpectedly this common room is like kind of disarmingly kitschy and hmm. fun and 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 not self-serious at all like it has the equivalent of like a rooster themed kitchen or something like there there is like a collection of like baubles that is just so mundane and so homey and so unbelievably human Ah, those um, really big beanbag chairs. Honey yeah, theme. Honey, honey theme. There's honey pots everywhere. Oh, Everything is honey colored. The the couch is like a golden brown. Mm-hmm. It is very. It's overstuffed. Velvet. Extremely comfortable. Um, the salt and pepper shakers are little honey pots with holes in the top. Yeah, I think the honey pot, like there is a collection of honey pots. I think they are like ceramic and glass honey pots that are like bird shaped. Like they're all shaped like, you know, famous, famous griffins and whatnot. Uh, so there is just this like, and the light here is beautiful because this collection of like glass honey pots is in the window. So the mm. sun shines through them and like there's this always warm yellow glow of light in this room. Yes. Do you know what this room is? What? This is grandfather's room. Oh, oh so God, I want to know that love story. All right. He, he's a, he, <laughs> he was a beekeeper. He's a beekeeper. Oh, so I think then that uh, Braith is already in this common room. Um, snack uh, mostly completed. I think Brace got like his feet up on something. He's like disheveled and undone, and like you know, we're we're all really worn out at this point. We're nearing the end of this month, and we are worn out. And June comes in, uh, possibly even after that that incident where she punched the lights out of Torikoshi. And uh, she is, she's ashen faced and defeated looking and uh, comes in autopilot, like goes and pours tea, adds honey, stirs, goes, sits on the edge of whatever and stares at nothing, like within range of Braith. Sick hit on Torikoshi. Oh my gosh. It was... he deserved that. Like he's he, been such a weird little dude this entire time, and you just—I don't bricked him. I don't know, Braith. I don't think he deserved it. I just 
God. He needed some kind of a wake-up call for sure. He was being I weird. I, f- I feel like... He's done this longer than us, so like he knows what he's doing, right? Like, but it feels like that was a whole test on its own, and I failed. I let it get to me. Hamnel, you you've always been a spitfire, and I I respect that you know how to set your boundaries. But please, please don't take this the wrong way. You you do let people get to you sometimes, and uh, you know I I respect the hell out of you, and I know. I, you know, I, we've been on the same ship for months and I've gotten to know your limitations. And, you know, I guess Torikoshi needs a little more time to learn your limitations. But, you know, I guess in the meantime, maybe it'd be good to to work on being a little more tolerant. Mm. June takes a sip of the tea, which is still too hot, and gets angry about it quietly and stares at nothing. And then she says, no, I think you've got a point. And I think you should probably also work on your peripheral vision so you don't get the crap kicked out of you by a machine that's a windmill, Braith. Yeah, you know, when you when you get going a certain speed... You're so fast. How it, were you not fast enough to... It When you get going at a certain speed, the only place you look is forward and what's next. It's it's hard to see everything when you're only looking forward. Yeah, sounds like you. I mean, you really, you really got hit, though. Yeah, well... How are you feeling? I've been worse, definitely. I, I'm fine. Smacked a couple of bruises, walloped me good, and I, I gotta, I gotta work on that. Yeah, and I think June goes to take another sip of of the tea and goes, "When are you gonna figure out? There's only one of you. You are not the first person to say that. I don't think Torikoshi's bad. I just think he's freaking out, and he's not experienced as a coach it's pretty clear i mean he walked in there with a chip on his shoulder and neither of us really jive with that very well and it's maybe we should be more lenient with him introducing a I... trouble here oh, okay tori koshi you heard the first part of that sentence yeah, I mean, I think I think what happens is the camera pans out of the room and Torikoshi is behind the wall, like standing there listening. Um, he's got a tray full of like tea with honey and like biscuits, some biscuits and stuff like that. Hexagonal and, biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> and he hears all that and just puts the tray down on like a table next to the door and walks, walks away. Do we hear him walk away? No, there's no way okay, you heard there's no this. way we don't. Um, I mean, I don't think he's... I I don't even think that's it, Braith. I think we didn't know we were going to joust, and he didn't know he was going to become captain. And I mean, his grandma's the, 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 the lady, you know what I mean? His grandma's in charge. Yeah, that can't be easy. That's a lot easy. of stress. I just, I just wish he'd approached it different, you know? like How would you have approached it? I would have been open and said, hey, this is where we're at. What do we, I don't know. I would have made it a conversation instead of stomping in and saying, I'm the boss now. Listen to me. Like, we're supposed to be a team. It's supposed to be 
back and forth communication, not like, you know, a commander stomping mm. in and telling us what to do. And that that always rubs me the wrong way. I I cannot respond to that very well. I don't like being micromanaged. Yeah. June thoughtfully is stirring the, the honey into her tea a little more and Breathe, you think maybe you think maybe that's how he thought he was supposed to do it? Like Well, I mean Maybe he's never had a chance to think about how he wants to do it because he's only ever been told what he's supposed to do. You met Tomo, I I think that's just how he was taught. Generational yeah. trauma. I don't know. I I feel bad. I I shouldn't have decked him. I think this is this feels like a pivotal moment. I think the best thing we can do is stop overthinking everything, first of all, and um win something. Let's it win may something. be I mean, we're just visitors, but this has been his whole life. This might be his only shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Let's let's try to be more supportive of him and, and you know, be, be better teammates. I mean, let's be honest. They He got really lucky that we were here. Oh, so lucky. I mean, so lucky that it's us. Like ridiculous. <laughs> who else like, could pull this off in a month? Come on. Yeah. You guys, I feel like there's like a cartoon uh thought balloon fantasy of like Ard <laughs> being here. Poor Ard. <laughs> or like or like Bobby Jean. Or like <laughs> Bobby Jean's uh, just eating those biscuits. Yeah, it's Ard and Bobby Jean is just like eating a tray of the hexagonal biscuits. We like go through the Rolodex. There's like a snippet of Ard and Bobby Jean and then Bobby Jean rolls out like it's a slot machine and mm-hmm. is replaced by Ruby. And then Ard is rolled out and replaced by Fenton. Yeah, no, I think he got lucky. Sky Joust. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. I want to jump right into thanking everyone who supports us on Patreon. Heroes, the One-Shot Network is almost entirely supported by its patrons. That means that every episode of this show, every episode of One-Shot, and so many of the wonderful programs on this network are made possible because you contribute to them directly. And I can tell you, the Sky Joust miniseries would absolutely not exist without our patrons. So much went into this series, and we could never hope to afford a production like this without your support. This month, the 15th through the 29th, we are going to be hosting a Patreon drive, where we're redoing backer levels, adding new backer rewards, and creating incentive goals to get you to join our Patreon so that we can continue to make programs like this. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, be sure to sign up with us, either right now or when the drive starts. Look out for more information about our Patreon drive soon. Now, before we get back to the show, a quick word from our sponsors. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Sky Joust. I feel like uh, that that is all the requisite scenes, but I feel like Drew... Part of yeah. me feels like Tori Koshi has got to approach Divya to resign, right? 
Like, he's yeah. got to be all yeah. head up. That, that's 100% where he is headed. Okay. Please, please set up this scene, uh, because I do think it is a necessary scene. I think there is a particular little little balcony uh that has um like a it's the topmost observation deck of the school uh you, from it you can see out over the entire training area there's a bunch of like spy glasses up there stuff like that um and it's it's really breezy up there it's really nice and calm and quiet and divya likes to go up there at for tea time basically like this right here this like evening sun is setting is when we all have tea with honey like the whole school has it it's a yeah, big thing that's like oh that's a mandate that is kind of in remembrance of grandpa like yeah yeah and uh and so it's one of those things where Torikoshi was bringing these this this like tea platter to them oh to and- like welcome them into the tradition <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and instead uh he goes he leaves from there and goes to where he knows uh Divya likes to have her tea. And so he comes up what I imagine is a spiral staircase and there's Divya standing like, you know, elbows on a rail kind of looking out over the over the training area and the mountains and like the moon is out. It's it's a, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful evening. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's an early moon because, like, I think we said the the sun. Was oh, yeah, sun. That's right. The, the, the but, sun is setting. But I like the idea that, like, yeah, it's the best of all worlds. The moon is in the sky. Is one of those days where the moon was out in kind of broad daylight, and mm. the sun is setting, and you're in this beautiful place. It's just everything. And I, I imagine that all the shadows are like leaning towards him. Uh, so the lighting is like slanted in that direction, and we see Torikoshi come up to the the top, and he sees Coach uh, Divya. Coach, you got him. You got a minute? Of course I do, Jouster. What's on your mind? Well, and we see him walk across the way, and he uh, and he gets about three feet from her when he takes off his coat and hands it over to her. I formally resign as captain. <laughs> what? I formally resign as captain. I have spent this last month trying so hard to do everything that I know how to do, and they don't see me as a captain. So obviously, if I've spent the whole month trying every night to figure out what I'm supposed to do, I'm I'm obviously not doing it right. So they deserve a better captain than me. So I, I resign. Divya, uh, like, takes a minute and, like, regards Torikoshi seriously. Like, at first, like, you know, there's this surprise that washes over her. And, like, as he explains his reasoning, um, like, you can see, like, kind of a half sigh in her uh, body language. Uh, She takes a sip of her tea and, like, places it down on this little table up there. I want, like, what is the casual way that, that people hold themselves here? Are there just, like, chairs everywhere? Are there... Uh, I think there are chairs everywhere. I yeah. think uh, <laughs> uh, not only did Grandpa love bees, but he also liked making chairs. Um, so that's why there's just chairs everywhere. Grandpa liked to make those as well. Uh, Divya, like, sits down 
and like slaps one of like the the wild and weird hexagonal chairs that yeah. my grandpa loved so much. Like I kind of think there is maybe woodworking was Tomoe's thing, but mm. like kind of she would make these chairs for her husband that are like semi-functional. Um, but like <laughs> she was like he had weird tastes and she liked making things. And so this place is full of weird stuff um, that that people that. love and also hate at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> why so don't, yeah, there's this, yeah, why don't we ahead, have sorry. a seat and let's talk about this? I, I don't think I need to sit down because if I, if I sit down, that means you're going to try to convince me that I have it messed up. They don't respect me. They don't like me and i know you're not like you don't have to be liked to be a captain but they at least have to respect that i know what i'm doing and they don't so i'm, I'm just honda he goes over to yes coach you have been at this school your whole life correct yes coach you have been around this facility around the athletes here around the students here for all of your 18 years correct yes do you think that on the whole of Sphere, there is anyone who holds more respect for this school and the people who run it than you. No, no, coach. Then do you think no. it's possible that outsiders might not understand exactly how things work here? But they're Swiftwells. Grandmother has nothing but great things to say about Swiftwells. You have also met a lot of great Swiftwells in your time, but you have to remember, they're like 15 and 16. Oh, God. Can we, before I accept your formal resignation, have you sit down real quick, real quick, and I'm going to try and talk you out. You're absolutely right. I'm going to try and talk you out of this decision, but I would like, as your, as your coach, I would like the courtesy of you sitting down. Yes, coach. Checkmate. With that, uh, she is going to reach into, like, a bag that she carries, unzip a pocket, and pull out a saltwater taffy and pass it over to Tori Koshi. Thank you, Coach. Tori Koshi, can you recite for me the course record for the Team Relay Challenge? <sighs> Which year? Course record overall, school record. School record for relay. Time or distance? Time. Time. Well, for the long relay, it is 15 minutes and 24 seconds. For the mid relay, it is eight minutes. I just need the long. I would like you to hazard a guess for me what your group's time was on the long relay. On the long relay? Oh, gosh. Um, 20 minutes. You had 15 minutes and 40 seconds. Really? We have not had numbers like that here. <sighs> you know, I really hate feeling old, but I'm at one of those moments where I cannot even remember the last time we got that close. That's great. That's great. Tori Koshi, that's great. Tori Koshi, could you remind me who holds the record? For the target course. I think that's you, coach. But who's second place? Oh, me. 
Horikoshi, you have worked so hard for this. And, you know, I feel like I have worked hard for this too. And I feel like we've never been this close before. And yes, it, it is a shame that, that, that we, that we weren't able to continue with Watanabe and that he aged out. And it's, it's a shame that the new recruit coming in didn't work out. So many things about this year are a shame. But our numbers right now are better than they were. They're better than they were. And you know what grandmother always says? Numbers don't lie. And this team has a lot of, a lot of ways to go. Definitely really far to go. And I won't sugarcoat it because I respect you more than that. We're hardly at the level of beautiful flyers. We're not quite doing the thing the school wants us to do. But I've been flying long enough and I've been coaching long enough to know one thing. If you stick with this team, if you, maybe, maybe you are struggling as captain, but if you take the time to learn how to be captain, I can guarantee you that the way you fly and the way those two fly, you're going to have enough time in this tournament to make them beautiful flyers. Okay. Okay. I'll give it another shot. Just one more shot. Okay, just one more shot. And be sure to rest up, try to relax. We've got a game coming up. Okay. Okay, coach. I see a mountain and I want to climb it. I see a river and I want to sail If there's a victory, you know I will find it Never been the type who is happy to fail A million miles from my front door There's things that are worth fighting for But nothing's gonna stop me, friend or foe When it's all we know Here we go, rising higher and farther Only be far and up in the sky When we fly When we fly, we're ready to try To only do hang and show when it's all we know Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>